Welcome to r slash pro revenge where a cheater ends up jobless and homeless. I live in a 10 story apartment building in a dense part of a city with numerous other tall complexes, but also a number of old single family homes. One such home abuts my building directly under my eighth floor apartment. The longtime owner has had a pigeon coop in his backyard for years. The birds smell and are a nuisance, but no big deal. Then, about six months ago, the owner took it upon himself to dump 20 pounds of bird seeds in his backyard daily, attracting 200 to 250 city pigeons. They are ferals that lived in a nearby park, but once the feeding started, they ended up hanging out on my neighbor's roof most of the day, every day. Complaints to him to desist were fruitless. Numerous neighbors also complained to city officials, but they were useless. Animal rights activists on our city council who halted a pigeon control program a few years back as cruelty to animals are very pro-animal. They refuse to take action under the pretext that there is no sort of nuisance law the city could use in this case. The smell from the pigeon droppings in his yard progressively got worse, and the birds started roosting on our property and dumping on parked cars. Several disgruntled neighbors, including me, pondered a solution for months. A neighbor and I arrived at a solution artificially escalating the nuisance level of the problem, specifically the bird reek, so the city can no longer ignore the nuisance. It had to be logical, secretive, and calibrated. Someone couldn't throw dog poop onto his property and expect an outcome. Long story short, we concocted an odorous slurry. Using my 8th floor balcony directly over the pigeon lover's backyard, I gave it gradually increasing midnight sprinkling of slurry, which disappeared into the grass in his messy backyard. Within one week, the increased odor emanating from his property reached half a block away. Suddenly, the problem was resolved. We didn't see the official action, but word was that several prominent businessmen who own a restaurant down the street complained to the mayor about the stench. The city took action. The guy is now only allowed to keep about 15 pigeons in coops. No more feeding the ferals. An unorthodox solution to a problem that needed to be dealt with. <laughs> Great solution, OP, but not where I thought this story was going. To be honest, I thought you and your neighbors were going to start sticking your butts over the edge of the balconies and taking a dump on your neighbor's house. <laughs> that probably also would have been effective, but in a very different way. <laughs> now, how many of you are imagining a butt sticking over the balcony <laughs> and dumping onto the neighbor's house? If so, please hit that like button because it really helps me out. Our next Reddit post is from Genevair. This story takes place almost 12 years ago, so I'll do my best with the dialogue and details, but admittedly, some things are a little fuzzy. Most of my life, I've had a problem with picking men that were not good for me. So much so that I even had a phrase for it. Saving the world one moron at a time. One of my more spectacularly bad choices was a guy by the name of Bob. Obviously, not his real name. I met Bob when I was working one of my two jobs at the local mall. He worked somewhere else in the mall, so we hit it off and soon enough, we were in a relationship. Within a few months, my lease was up and we ended up moving in together, which obviously in hindsight was a huge mistake, but I was dumb and lonely. 
Soon enough, red flags began to fly. He would say things in common conversations that were simply incorrect. Like, there's only four continents and the rest are actually owned by the Martian government and thus don't count, etc. And when challenged, would circular talk until you either agreed with him or dropped the subject. He would also make claims that seemed entirely unbelievable, such as when I asked where he had been staying prior to his mom's house. He said he camped in the woods. When I asked how he did that for months on end and without any gear, he simply gestured to himself and said, this is all the gear I need. The worst trait though by far was his epic laziness. I have never witnessed someone so lazy in my life. Bob was unemployed for over a third of our relationship and would simply sit in the apartment watching Netflix or playing some war game on his computer, aka my spare computer, typing away in the group chat. He would never clean up after himself leaving dirty dishes in the sink and filth on every surface while taking a shower maybe once a week. The smell that permeated my apartment could only be described as revolting and could easily gag a maggot. I would inquire a few times a week on his job hunt only to be dismissed or given a growing amount of excuses such as, but I don't have a car, how would I get there? The bus doesn't run in that area. The internet went down, so I couldn't apply, etc, etc. Meanwhile, I'm working double and triple shifts at my job to try to make up the lost income and running him all over town in my off time, getting applications and helping him fill them out and turn them in. Keep in mind, he doesn't have a cell phone, so all of these apps have my contact info on them. Thus begins the era of him holding my phone while I'm at work so he can make calls or schedule interviews and also I can get a hold of him from my store phone if I needed to. Things began getting weird. He began staying up later and later on this group chat, sometimes till almost dawn. Sometimes he would hang out all evening until it was time for bed. Then he would always make some excuse on why he needed to check the game before bed and he'd be right there. Hours would pass. No Bob. I began to get suspicious, but nothing incriminating seemed to be taking place. So I just shrugged it off as me being insecure. Then he started asking to use my car to go see his best friend, Ben. Now, I wasn't super comfortable with this, but I did know Ben pretty well, and we got along almost better than Bob and I did. So I guess to a degree I trusted Ben more than Bob and agreed to it. This happened a few times while I was working the evening shift, and he was always back at the allotted time with my car and my phone, and relatively grateful for the opportunity to hang out with his buds. Suspicious? Um, yes, but I'm the kind of person that is loyal and trusting to a fault, and don't assume anything without proof and from every angle all seem to be on the up and up, so I took it at face value. So, one day, he asked to borrow my car and go with his friends to a card gaming tournament. He put on a great show, telling me how the prize money would help us out, and with the deck he had, there was no way he could lose. I just had to let him use my car and phone this one last time, and he would be able to buy himself a phone with the prize money. 
I wasn't a huge fan of the idea, but nothing untoward had occurred in the previous instances and I didn't feel like spending my only day off at a card game convention that I literally couldn't care less about, so I acquiesced. I bought myself a couple green monsters and some vodka and had my own little personal drunk party. Hours tick by and no Bob. Eventually, I pass out only to wake up at the crack of dawn violently sick. This went way beyond a hangover. I started retching in the bathroom until there was nothing left but bile, but the retching wouldn't stop. Hours ticked by and I lay in my bathroom floor sweating and convulsing with no phone, no car, and no Bob. I eventually was able to crawl to my room and wrap myself in a bathrobe before crawling down my apartment building stairs and began knocking on the closest doors. It took three apartments before someone opened the door and allowed me to use their phone to call my mom. My mother was at my apartment in six minutes flat and rushed me to the ER where I was diagnosed with an aggressive and antibiotic resistant strain of C. diff. Bob finally showed up later that afternoon, phone and car keys in hand, looking very concerned and claiming to be deeply apologetic, but my mom hated him from that point on. I was out of the hospital and back to work within a few days, but it was the beginning of the end. During these last months, we were constantly scraping by due to his lack of consistent income and poor spending habits. There were jobs gotten and there were jobs lost for various reasons throughout our relationship, but the final job was the one I helped him get literally three buildings down from my own workplace. This company rents furniture and electronics on a weekly or monthly basis and I happen to know most of the employees and the hiring manager as they are regular customers at my coffee establishment. I was able to use what little sway I had to get him on there and he accepted a job as a delivery man. Within a few weeks, I come home from work to find a brand new TV and entertainment system and him grinning like an idiot. I tell him we can't afford this, we can barely afford to eat and are surviving off scraps I bring home from work. He talks about his amazing employee discount and assures me it's no big deal that the rental fee will just come out of his paycheck, etc. I was pissed. Not only had he not consulted me, he also had me on the account as well. My info had been taken from the credit application I filled out as a favor to help their numbers. So if he flaked, I was liable. Fast forward another few weeks, the rent is late and we're receiving eviction notices on our door. I come home from work and the TV is mysteriously gone. Thank goodness, I think. He finally realized we can't afford it and took it back. He gets paid, rent gets paid, and all is as good as it can be. Until I found a pawn slip for the TV in his pocket as I was doing laundry and went ballistic. He assured me he had plans to get it back in the works and to not worry about it. It'll be taken care of soon and no one will be the wiser. I was too pissed to catch on to the secrecy aspect of the situation. A few more tense weeks go by with him working mornings and myself working evenings while we shared one phone and car. Until that fateful day arrived. I woke up that morning with a migraine headache and opted to let Bob take the car but leave me the phone so I can call someone later on for a ride to work. A few hours of uncomfortable sleep go by before I'm awoken by my phone. I answer the phone, still groggy. Hello? 
there is a long pause on the other end of the line until a female voice asks, um, is Bob there? I felt a sickening feeling in my gut and began to shake. Is this real? Am I dreaming? No, he's at work right now, but this is his wife. Total lie, but hey, is there something I can help you with? I wasn't rude. I phrase it as a genuine question rather than an accusation. Another long pause before she began to stammer about maybe she had the wrong number, but it was obvious she just wanted to get off the phone with me as quickly as possible. And I realized in that moment that I desperately needed her. Please, I said with an edge of desperation in my voice. I don't know what's going on, but I just really need somebody to tell me the truth. The last word came out in a sob, and I just sat there for a moment in silence, trying to quell the urge to just cry uncontrollably. Listen, the voice on the other end was almost gentle. I need to make a few phone calls, but I promise you, I will call you back. She said it calmly and with so much conviction that I really wanted to believe her. Please? You promise? I almost begged. I promise, she replied. Okay, I took a deep breath and released it. I'll talk to you soon and hung up. I then proceeded to aggressively pace my living room floor, staring at my phone while chain smoking and muttering to myself like a crazy person. I knew who she was calling. I was replaying all those little red flag moments in my head from the last few months, pinning down dates or behavior I'd found suspect when the phone rings again. It's her. I froze for a moment, shocked she followed through and called me back. Terrified of what this meant, I answered the phone and what followed was about the most soul-crushing 45 minutes of my life. After initial introductions, June, again, not the real name, and I began comparing stories and it became glaringly obvious what was happening. They had actually been in a relationship several years prior and had run back into each other on the aforementioned war game where they began to flirt on group chat. All those nights he'd been on the computer, he'd been chatting with her. All those times he'd go hang out with his friends, he'd been using my car to take her out and my phone to communicate with her. The time I was sick and alone with no resources, you guessed it, he was with her. Oh, but it gets better. Do you have a little silver hummingbird necklace? She inquired. Yes, my mother gave it to me for my 27th birthday. Actually, I love it. Really? Because he gave me one for Mother's Day. OMG! I almost yelled into the phone as I ran to my room and tore through my jewelry box. It wasn't in there. It was around her neck. From there, we discovered not only had he been giving her my property as gifts, but he'd had her over to our apartment, passing it off as his own. I didn't want to believe him capable of doing something so cruel and disrespectful when I have allowed him to sponge off me for the better part of three years. Unfortunately, as in confirmation, she began describing my apartment to a T, all the way down to my bed sheets. June said he even pulled my secret box from beneath my bed and offered to use my adult items on her. 
She said she found it weird and didn't partake, but I threw them away due to the sheer ick factor. Finally, she uttered the words I didn't know I wanted to hear. You know what we should do? We should bust him together. My mind immediately started racing. Indeed, we should. I was a mix of fury, adrenaline, and despair, so my thinking wasn't exactly straight and details begin to get hazy here. We arranged to meet up at work and to find a way to lure Bob over there, but unfortunately, she lived about 40 minutes away. Whereas, I only live about 6 miles from our destination, so if I got there first, I'd need to stall him. Assuming he wasn't out on delivery. I called a trusted co-worker of mine at work, sobbing and begging for a ride. To his everlasting credit, he got somebody to cover and left work to come get me and bring me to my car. When I got to Bob's workplace, I went inside to retrieve my keys. This isn't uncommon, as they know the car is mine. And was stopped halfway through the store by Bob's manager, wanting to talk about the payment due on our account. I don't remember the exact dialogue, but I said something along the lines of, Look, I don't know when you're going to get your payment. I looked utterly defeated and told him we could never afford the TV in the first place and how I had begged Bob to take it back and now we don't have it anymore as Bob has pawned it and I don't have the money to get it out, let alone pay him. I was full on blubbering at this point when he stopped me to clarify that his employee pawned a rental TV under contract. I confirmed that this was indeed true and presented him with the pawn ticket. He was mad. Apparently, such an act is illegal and is terms for immediate termination. But he assured me that if I could get the TV back to him, there would be no harm, no foul. And he would terminate my contract without any penalties. I thanked him for his understanding and told him to let Bob know I would be over at my workplace. My heart is pounding in my chest and blood is roaring in my ears. What was I going to say? What was he going to say? Would June make it here before he did? My heart sinks when I see Bob's hulking form making its way in my direction. I frantically scan the parking lot for June's car. She's not here yet and I'm out of time. He hits the door looking out of breath and guilty as heck and I just stare at him stone-faced. I walk outside silently to light a cigarette, unsure of exactly what to say and he follows me wordlessly outside. He starts in with the, it's not what it seems and it's all just a terrible misunderstanding and I just let him dig himself deeper into his hole of lies. I listen, I nod, I pretend to understand until a particular car pulls into view. June parks in the space directly next to where we were standing and gets out of the car. Hey Bob, how you doing? Bob has gone visibly pale. He hangs his head and sits down on the curb saying nothing to either of us. June and I greet each other and awkwardly shake hands before again returning our attention to Bob. June begins berating him on his lies and deceit, unveiling all of our mutual info and subsequent conclusions while I stood mostly in silence, agreeing at the appropriate times, but mostly still in shock. After 20 minutes of this, I finally mustered up the courage to take my stand. We are done. I don't want to see you ever again. I'll pack up your things. Only two boxes worth. 
and your sister can contact me in a few days to pick them up. Now, I want your key. I held out my hand and looked at him. Not until I get my stuff out, then you get your key, he replied. I tried to argue, but he continued to refuse and used his large stature to his advantage, knowing I'd have no chance in a physical altercation. He turned and walked away, heading back to his workplace. June and I talked a little more before she handed me my hummingbird necklace and left. I stood there alone, staring at nothing, trying to wrap my head around what had just transpired. And then I cried. Oh, how I cried. With nowhere else to turn, I had only one call to make. To my mom. The moment she answered, I unleashed this deluge of words at her that were half sobs and half rant. Stay right there, I'm coming, she said. God bless my mother. Soon enough, both of my parents pull up in my dad's truck, and my mom gets out to comfort me and give me hugs. I look at the driver's seat and see my father with his jaw clenched and a death grip on the steering wheel while staring straight ahead. Oh, crud. They take me to the pawn shop and my parents write me a check for more than 500 bucks to get the TV out and then drive straight over to Bob's workplace and return the TV to the manager. As the manager finishes up the cancellation paperwork, my dad spots Bob pacing around the back of the parking lot, talking frantically on the phone. Unfortunately, I didn't get to hear the ensuing conversation, but my dad returns within a few minutes holding my house key and looking victorious. I believe this is yours, he says as he hands me the key and then pulls me into a hug. And I cried a little into his shoulder. My dad gave me a squeeze, kissed my temple, and whispered into my ear, They're firing him. I leaned back to look at my dad, and he just smirked and said, Now he's jobless and homeless. I thought about it for a second before I said in my most sarcastic tone, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. We laughed about it a little, and my parents gave me some words of wisdom before leaving me to drive myself home, where my best friend was already waiting to keep me company. Bob and his sister showed up a few days later for his pitiful boxes of stuff. He tried to talk to me, to explain, but my best friend descended on him like a harpy if he muttered more than a few syllables in my direction, so he was shut down almost immediately. He left that night, and I have never heard from him since. I blocked him on social media, but there was really no need as he made no effort to contact me on any level. That's Bob, ever lazy, ever deluded, and always a butthole. So here I am many years later, happily married to my high school sweetheart and a mother of two beautiful little boys, and grateful to have moved on when I did. The experience with Bob certainly took its toll. I lost a lot of weight due to lack of appetite, but had a myriad of trust issues moving forward. But the point is, I moved forward. I have grown leaps and bounds as a person since this experience, and am truly content with where my life is now. But every now and then, when I'm drifting off to sleep, I can't help but wonder, whatever happened to good old Bob? Is he out there somewhere, in the woods with a stick and his wits as his only gear, waiting for a Martian government to make its move? Ah well, a girl can dream. <laughs>
Man, Opie, I can't believe he wanted to use your sex toys on his mistress. That's super icky. Either way, I'm glad you kicked him out, and your parents seem like real awesome people. Welcome to r slash petty revenge, where people get back at everyday jerks. When I worked at Walmart, I went from cart pusher to cashier to electronics to security. Sometimes, after I switched to security, when electronics was really swamped, I'd help out for a few minutes. One day, the phone was ringing and I was walking by and randomly answered it. Sir Scamalot said, Hello, sir. This is Steam Support Services with Valve. Instantly, of course, I know this is a scam. I adore Valve and played so many of their games too. I can't believe my luck of all the calls to answer. Surprisingly, he didn't have some weird accent. Oh, uh, what can I do for you? We've had reports that game keys shipped to your location may have an error that prevents it from authenticating. Specifically, the game Counter-Strike. We need to validate your game keys to see if yours are affected. I forget which Counter-Strike was on sale then. This was 2008. Oh, what do I do? As if I didn't know. Well, I just need you to open any copies of the game you have and read me the CD key on the instruction manual so I can verify them with our validation software. Or on the jewel case, I don't remember that either. Sure thing, can I put you on hold for a minute while I get those? Sir Scamalot, obviously happy. Sure. So I put Sir Scamalot on hold while I called all the other area stores electronic department and warned them about the scammer and confirmed nobody had taken a call like this earlier. About 15 minutes later, I get back to Scamalot. Thanks for holding, but I can't find any CD keys. I looked all through the book and the packages. Sir Scamalot getting annoyed. Well, sir, just open any copy of Counter-Strike and on the Oh, Counter-Strike. I thought you said Counting Strikes, that bowling game. Okay, hold on. Everyone in the department is listening and we all laugh. Ten minutes later, I'm back on the line. Okay, I got what you're looking for. What do you need? Now, I make him walk me through how to open the box, including interrogating him for five minutes about how to do it without breaking the seal. Then, pretend I can't find the book, etc, etc. Finally, I'm ready to read the code. First, I read him the UPC. This upsets him. Then, I read him a part number from something. Now he's livid. Finally, I ask him if he means the code on the book that says Game Key and has like groups of four digits with dashes, like he said probably 50 times already, and he gets excited again. Oh, okay, here's the Game Key. Okay, F as in Frank, U like Uncle, C like Cat. Sir, I don't think that's right. Normally a code would... No, no, no. No, it's F, U, C... Then K like kite. Next four is Y like yesterday. O like owl. And he swore at me and hung up. That was such an obvious scam. Valve would never call someone on the phone. They're all too busy developing Half-Life 3. Our next Reddit post is from Tens Anyone. This happened years ago, but still makes me smile. I started working in a corporate office in a secretarial position for my first job after college. There were two older ladies who were also secretaries working in the office. 
One of them was just fine. But I spent most of my time sitting beside and working with Agnes. Agnes was quickly approaching retirement age, but wasn't going anywhere without a big push. This was in the days where we just started getting computers and she was absolutely hopeless. She'd pull stuff like, I can't answer the phone, I'm on the computer. Multitasking was not in this woman's repertoire. She was super fussy and annoying. If I came back from lunch five minutes late, she would loudly exclaim, OMG, there you are. I was wondering what had happened to you. Making sure the whole office knew I was late. Meanwhile, she was usually late coming in in the morning and often left early for various appointments. If I made a typo in a document, she would make sure the rest of the staff knew about it loudly. She tended to pout when things didn't go her way, and she would, quote, quit her job when someone pissed her off. And then my boss's boss would talk her into staying. I'd heard about this tactic of hers, and one day our boss did something that annoyed her, and she quit again. My boss's boss was away that day, so I had my chance. I quickly advertised and planned a big retirement party for her. It was a done deal by the end of the day. People were dropping by and congratulating her, and everyone looked forward to the party. At that point, I guess she figured it was too late to pull her usual shenanigans, and she actually retired. I told my boss to not bother replacing her, because it was freaking easy to cover the little work she actually accomplished every day. So, <laughs> this is kind of an old meme, but in this case, the cake is literally a lie. Our next Reddit post is from Angry Cat. My ex-husband and I bought our home from his parents. They had the house built in the 50s. For years, father-in-law wanted to install a shut-off valve in the utility room to, you know, shut off the water to the whole house to do some repairs. The plumber told him it would cost a large amount of money because they couldn't find the shut-off from the city water main at the street, the Buffalo Box, aka the water main shut-off valve. Since the Buffalo Box was MIA, they would have to freeze the pipes to stop the water before installing the shut-off valve. It was an expensive process to freeze the pipes, so it never got done. When we bought the house, we decided to get the shutoff valve installed. We called the water department and they sent two workers to shut off the water. When they arrived, I explained the problem. They went out to the front yard, walked around a bit, and told me there was nothing they could do for me. According to the two workers, it was my problem that they couldn't find the buffalo box and that I should call a plumber to dig up my front yard, sidewalk, and city easement to find my buffalo box. Well, I have a background in residential real estate construction and I was familiar with how water mains and buffalo boxes are installed and I told them it was the city's issue as they were responsible for the buffalo box, not the homeowners. According to these guys, as a woman, I didn't know what I was talking about and they left. They were incredibly rude about it. But peons like these think they can get away with being rude to an ignorant woman like me. Fast forward to a year or so later, I get a call from the city manager asking why I hadn't paid my water bill for over a year. I told him that I wanted to pay my water bill, but I wanted them to first turn off my water. He was a bit taken aback that I wanted them to turn off the water. So I explained what the city workers told me about locating the buffalo box and their attitude about women not understanding those types of things. 
I also told him that if the city could not turn off my water, I would be happy to have free water forever because I would never pay another bill. We had a nice long chat about the situation and he said that he would resolve my concerns. The next day, these same two guys show up in my house with some digging equipment and spend the whole day digging up the easement and the sidewalk. Their attitudes were rather somber because the city manager told me he was going to give them a talking to about how they mishandled the situation. I even got an apology. They found the buffalo box under the city-owned sidewalk. They fixed the buffalo box so it would be accessible and came the next day to fix the sidewalk. They asked if I wanted the water turned off. I declined and I told them I would have my plumber take care of it when we had him install the interior shutoff valve. And then I paid the water bill. <laughs> this is a, that's such a power move. Ma'am, if you don't pay the water bill, we're going to have to turn off your water. <laughs> okay, good luck. It's such a win-win situation. Either they do what she originally wanted and they find her water main to turn off the water, or they don't find the water main, in which case she gets free water for the rest of her life. Our next Reddit post is from Callie Blair. I have one incredible, the HOA isn't the butthole in this case story. My dad is African American and went on a walk around the community park around 3 in the afternoon. He was wearing jeans, a polo, etc. Someone who had recently moved in, maybe only two weeks, sent an email to the president of the HOA because they were unable to attend the meeting. They said they had a photo of a suspicious person who had been obviously casing people's houses to rob them and included photos of my dad. The president of the HOA emailed back that they were very concerned after seeing the photos and would stop by her house to discuss the issue in person. They scheduled a time to talk and come up with safety strategies. My dad is the president of the HOA. He said the look on her face when she opened the door was priceless. He then proceeded to discuss the issue with her. Like she hadn't emailed a picture of him asking her, Now, why did you feel concerned for your safety? And what about him made you think this man was a threat? She didn't send any more complaints. <laughs> I feel like your dad could have been like, Oh, and by the way, I noticed that you haven't brought in your garbage can yet. I'm afraid that's a $50 fine. Our next Reddit post is from Cookie Monster 1997 A couple months back, my boyfriend and I went out for drinks one night at this cool little speakeasy in Montreal. It's actually quite an interesting place. You come in through a nondescript entrance and the place has a really nice vibe going on once you get inside. Note, this is one of those bars where the server comes to your table and serves the drinks rather than one where you order at the bar and take the drinks back yourself. We were seated at our table by the server. We ordered a couple cocktails, and then a couple more, and then a couple more after that. Each time we had to order, my boyfriend or I would have to go fetch the server so he could take our order or go up to the bar, order, and then bring the drinks back ourselves. Then, when it came time for the bill, I went up again so he would come to our table. He came and thought we were going to order again, despite me clearly asking for the bill when I went up. So, he went back to get the card machine, and it was another 10 minutes before he was back. At this point, I was quite ticked off at the not-so-great service and was debating whether or not I should tip him. The screen had an option for 10%, 15%, 20%, or other. 
I decided to just leave 10% as I wanted to avoid an argument with the server. Montreal service employees are pretty freaking notorious when it comes to the expectation of tips. Now, he prints out the receipt and takes a look at it and sees I left 10%. He then asks if we had a nice evening, to which my boyfriend responded that we did. We both thought it was just a standard question servers ask, so we didn't bother telling him about the poor service received. Especially because it wouldn't really make a difference at this point. The guy then says, Oh, well, if you had such a nice time, then you should have left at least a 15% tip. Because in Canada, it's customary to leave a minimum 15% when the service is good. I'm guessing the reason he felt the need to outline that's how it is in Canada is because I'm a brown guy. Now comes the petty part. I responded, oh, I didn't know. Why don't I cancel this bill and redo it so I can tip you properly? He said, sure thing, just give me a second because the manager has to approve bill cancellations. Again, we waited a good 10 minutes for him to come back with the new bill. I was happy to wait though, because once he came back, I put in the pin and then selected the other option for tip and left him 0%. He printed out the receipt and his look of disbelief was well worth it. We got up and my white Canadian boyfriend said, Our only tip to you is to give better service and not be so much of a butthole. In Canada, we don't really like buttholes. So to all my Canadian viewers out there, what's the deal? As an American, the stereotype I always hear is that Canadians are super duper polite. But OP is making it sound like Canadian waiters are kinda jerks. Is that a thing in Canada? Our next Reddit post is from Past Life God. This story takes place my third year of college. I was taking a class where the entire grade was determined by a semester-long final project. We were supposed to be in groups of three on the project, but the third guy in our group had more sense than me and bailed early. This left just me and Lazy Girl. Lazy Girl didn't do anything the entire semester. I would ask her to work on pieces of the project, but she always had an excuse for why it wasn't done yet, or in her case, started. Now, I didn't want any confrontation with this girl, as she was my friend at the time. But I finally lost it one night towards the end of the semester. I asked her to meet at my house to work on the project, but something important came up. Fed up with this one-sided partnership, I decided to air my woes at the local bars. And guess who I run into? Lazy girl and her boyfriend drinking. She made up some BS excuse and I made a plan. I powered through the entire assignment, except for the conclusion, which I asked Lazy Girl to finish. I held out exactly zero hope that she would finish this section. So I quickly finished it myself and turned in my project with a little note to the teacher. The note detailed how I had done literally everything for the project and that, despite my best efforts, I could not get Lazy Girl to contribute. I said that I was turning in my version and that our conclusion sections may differ as I'd asked her to actually do that part herself. So here's a little tidbit about our final projects. We each had to turn one in. Lazy Girl not only didn't do the conclusion, she didn't turn in a project at all. She tried calling and complaining at me for not giving her credit. 
To which I went off on her for not doing anything on the entire project. I mentioned how I even gave her the opportunity to turn in my work for a grade if she'd only do one thing. She hung up after that, and that was the last time we spoke. This was a college class, and college classes are expensive. The only thing missing from this post is OP adding in how much that class cost, and therefore how much Lazy Girl wasted on failing that class. That was r slash petty revenge. And if you want to support me in this channel, you can buy my merchandise with the link down in the description.